Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support your favorite local businesses during this challenging time at supportlocal.usatoday.com. Buy a gift card now, use it later, and help save a business or two. Buy a gift card at supportlocal.usatoday.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Draftville, the USA Today Sports Network's podcast previewing the NFL draft in April. I'm your host, Tommy Dees from the Tennessean in Nashville, and today we're talking to Mike Jones, NFL columnist for USA Today Sports, and Doug Farrar, national NFL writer and editor for the USA Today Sports Media Group. So hello, Mike. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you? All right. Thanks for agreeing to join us for Draftville. You probably know as much about the NFL as anybody as a, a national columnist for USA Today. And, and we really want to focus kind of on the big picture today and, and the teams aspect as much as the, the prospects. So, so start with free agency and, and you know, pickups and losses for various teams. Who, whose needs have changed the most that you, when you look at this draft? Well, I mean, I think when you look at uh, a team like the New England Patriots, they definitely, you know, have dramatically changed because, uh, you know, we, we didn't know if Tom Brady was going to be back, and now he's gone. Now, even if they, they keep uh, and stick with Brian Hoyer and uh, Jared Stenham as their quarterbacks, uh, they definitely have got to find, you know, you would think somebody for the future um, and also some pieces to go around them. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at a team like uh, the the Chargers, now that they don't have uh, Phillip Rivers there, they need to find a quarterback. Uh, the the Carolina Panthers, now can gone, they got Teddy Bridgewater, but they've got to get guys to go around him. So I think that those are some of the teams um, that you feel change. Maybe even look at the Rams now. You know, they lost a number of guys. Uh, and, and Todd Gurley being one of them, Dante Fowler being another one, they've got to find uh, some guys for their offense, um, a lead running back, because the running back position is so important in Sean McVay's offense and easing pressure on Jared Goff. Uh, they also need to uh, get uh, pass rushing help. I think uh, Clay Matthews, they got rid of him as well. Um, so they've got to get um, outside linebacker help, and they don't have a first-round pick. Uh, so I think that when you look at some of those teams, they're the ones that kind of stand out to me um, as teams that need to help themselves. And and as we speak, what teams, uh, what players rather, are out there that could still further change the the draft need picture? What free agents like Jadavian Clowney could could fill somebody's needs and and maybe give them a different focus in the early rounds? Yeah, Clowney uh, definitely could. Um, Cam Newton's another one. Uh, but the the problem with some of those guys 
is a lot of the guys who are still on the streets right now in free agency um, are guys who are coming off of some type of injury or had an off-season surgery, and teams aren't able to have them into their facilities and have their team doctors give them examinations and figure out just where they stand health-wise. And so because of that, uh, they're kind of in lurch. But, yeah, I mean, a team like the Chargers, I think that that would be a great place for Cam Newton um, to step into there. Um, you know, Jadavian Clowney, you can never have too many pass rushers. There's so many teams um, that, that, are, that are close that need pass rushing help, whether it's, um, you know, a team like we, we just mentioned the Rams or um, the Patriots. Uh, they lost a number of guys on defense. Uh, so, you know, pass rushing help would be there. Uh, but, again, most of the guys, this second wave of free agency has been very slow because of the fact that teams can't have them in there for physicals because of the coronavirus, and everybody's kind of left in lurch. Okay, well, let's turn our attention to the draft. First of all, what is a virtual draft, and how do you envision that looking? Well, it's going to be interesting. I'm talking to several uh, NFL people. Um, basically, there's going to be a hub where uh, Roger Goodell is. We're announcing the picks, but the general managers, the coaches, uh, the, the, the scouts and all the, the football staff people are going to be in their own homes. Um, I talked to Ron Rivera yesterday, the Washington Redskins, and he said he's going to have one computer that's set up for communication with the league via video conference call. He and his general manager, Kyle Smith, both were going to have those set up. But then they also were going to have another computer set up for video Zoom conferencing among their coaches and scouts. And then they were also going to have a computer screen for their uh, their draft board. So it's kind of like when you play in fantasy football, you and your buddies sometimes are all in different places, but you've got to, you know, you guys are making your picks and, you know, somehow communicating uh, via text or via chat room or something like that. They're going to use this video conferencing. And then um, we don't know exactly, but somehow uh, it sounds like once the uh, the players are announced, There'll be a camera or something set up in their homes where they are with their families and friends, and uh, or you know you don't know how many family and friends now because of the social distancing thing. But those players are going to be on camera somehow, not at the draft because it's not going to be at a central location anymore. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this is all going to be packaged um, amongst uh, the teams and the NFL, and uh, the players. Okay, so that means no pen and Teller this year, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just all going to be just really, really different. So which teams, when you look at it, and, and we, we have one obvious uh, name here for, for the, with the Dolphins, are best poised with the number of picks and, and, and what they have to make the biggest splash in this draft? Yeah, well, the Dolphins, I think, have a chance to really control this draft because of the, the multiple picks that they have there. You know, they've got the fifth overall pick, 18th overall pick, and the 26th overall pick. With three first-round picks, I don't know in Cincinnati. It doesn't seem like – I haven't been able to get any indication that Cincinnati is opening and trading that pick. Uh, but um, and, and it sounds like, you know, Washington has dangled it a little bit, but I don't know that they actually really want to move off of that number two pick. It's possible that the Dolphins, though, could try to package and move up to number three to make sure they get the quarterback that they want. Um, you know, so they can help really sway the outcome of the first round. Um, even if they stood pat, getting three first-rounders is huge 
But if they want to move up, they've got the resources to do so. Um, the Chargers, I think that there's a chance. You know, they're at six overall, uh, but they could try to move up in this draft, whether it's number two or number three, to try to get there ahead of the Dolphins, to give themselves the best chance to find a quarterback of the future there. Um, the Eagles are another team. There's um, some, some talented wide receivers, but uh, the Eagles have the 21st pick. They probably need, might need to move up if they want to get their, their best choice, um, a top-ten type of receiver. Uh, the Patriots, you mentioned them a little bit. Maybe they're afraid that they're not going to be able to get to one of those quarterbacks that really can be a difference maker. And so maybe they try to trade up from 23 to give themselves a better chance uh, to move up. When you look at the teams that, that may have uh, contended to be in the playoffs but not quite made it, the, the teams that were on the edge of being playoff uh, teams, who's best poised there that might be one or two pieces away, and what are those pieces they need? Um, I think the Rams, we mentioned them, you know, they just narrowly missed the playoffs. Um, and they, we saw that they needed to get younger and more explosive on defense. Um, they've got some good pieces, but they had injuries really hit them hard. And then also, again, losing Todd Gurley. So um, they're in a really tough division where they've got the 49ers. Uh, you've got the Seahawks, who you know are, are right there on that edge as well. And the Seahawks, they probably, because they do every year, they move down and try to get as many picks as possible. Um, meanwhile, the Rams, you know, they don't have a first-round pick, like we said, but they might try to move up there because they really need to help themselves. Um, you know, help one defense, a pass rusher, help, you know, in their secondary, help with uh, the, the running back position there. Um, you know, so we'll see. Um, you know, as we said, uh, the Seahawks there, uh, Clowney doesn't, you know, we're not sure if he's going to resign there. It looks like uh, things are moving slowly there, but they could use pass rushing help. Um, they could also, you know, always use more weapons for Russell Wilson, whether it's at that tight end position. Um, so I think that they're probably there. Um, you know, there, there's other teams that are kind of on the edge, but um, it, there's nobody that's really like one piece away. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are kind of teetering, but they need a couple things here and there. So that's why you might see teams that are willing to trade down and use multiple picks to help fortify their roster. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to next is we talked about teams that might need to or want to trade up. Who who do you think sitting pretty that could uh, – could say, you know, we'll, we'll take more picks later because when I look at this draft, and, and you may have a different view, but it, like say if, you're, if your need is wide receiver, why not trade down? There's lots of good value there and later in the first and, and even in the second and third rounds. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, I think Detroit is a team that it sounds like they are open to moving down from number three um, because uh, it looks like, you know, if Cincinnati stays put and gets Burrow and Washington gets Chase Young, um, there are teams that they know, the Lions have made it known that they're open to training down, and they could, you know, really get a nice package of picks for that third overall pick when we think about what teams have gotten in recent years. Um, they could, you know, wind up getting two first-round picks or second-round pick, maybe get a pick for, you know, early in the first or second round for next year. That could help them. They really need a lot, um, you know, and, and we'll find out what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford if he's still going to be there. Um, it doesn't seem like they will move on from him. There's been little rumors there, but I think if they move down, they can help fortify their roster. Another team, the New York Giants, they're at number four. You know, they want to build this team around Daniel Jones. They believe in building the draft. 
Uh, but if they could do anything to move down and get a package of picks to help with that, uh, expedite that, that would probably be another team. The Carolina Panthers at number seven, um, you know, they're obviously starting over. Matt Rule wants to build this thing his way. Teddy Bridgewater is now the quarterback, uh, but they need a lot. They've lost Luke Keekley to retirement. Greg Olson is gone um, via free agency. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move down from number seven to get more picks in, you know, the early rounds to help with that. And, again, we mentioned the Seattle Seahawks because every year they always seem to move down and try to stockpile picks. Hey, when you look at the, the class, the draft class, the guys who are the prospects, um, who catches your eye? We've got, a you know, Burrow, we've got – maybe one or two others that are sure far top of the draft. But beyond those, who do you see really making a, a splash? Well, it's going to be really interesting um, because that quarterback position, you talk about Burrow and you talk about Tua um, from Alabama. Um, but, you know, I think that this quarterback group has some intrigue. You know, Justin Herbert from Oregon is a guy that, you know, maybe people don't talk about him quite as much. Uh, but he might wind up being a very, very talented guy that isn't, you know, that top one or two quarterbacks, but still in the middle of the first round. Or, you know, he could wind up uh, being a guy that could help you. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. I know that when uh, the off-season uh, uh, all-star games, like the senior bowl started, I talked to a number of people who thought that, and he's got some athleticism, but he just doesn't have the accuracy. And so people saw him as kind of a third to, to fifth round guy. Well, since then, since that work put in there, working on his game, since the interview process at the combine and things like that, and the way he threw at the combine, I've heard that his stock has risen. He could maybe be a second round guy. Um, and it could wind up being, you know, remember Russell Wilson was a fourth round quarterback. Kirk Cousins is a fourth round quarterback. And they wound up, you know, outplaying their their draft grade. So Jalen Hurts might be a guy that is overlooked or counted out by some people, but they see him as good value in the second or third round. That he could be very good. And then obviously, um, you know, the the running back position is intriguing because I don't know that we're going to see a lot of guys in the first round. But you know, guys like J.K. Dobbins uh, with uh, Ohio State, DeAndre Swift with Georgia. Uh, they have a Georgia's got a tradition of you know some talented running backs. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. Those are kind of some guys. Um, and then, you know, we talk about Chase Young as the top uh, pass rusher, and it seems like he's locked in at that number two spot. But I'm curious to see who the next best guy that comes off the board that's an impact pass rusher, um, whether it's uh, Simmons from Clemson or, um, you know, there's just a number of guys that are talented that maybe they're not that top guy at their, at their position but they still really can be a difference maker for their team. Is, is there any names that you look at, and if you were a team drafting, you'd say, I just don't feel good about this guy. I'm, I'm afraid he might be a bust um, for whatever reason. Who, who, who uh, checks that box for you? Well, I just, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say he's going to be a bust, but you know, I'm curious about Jordan Love because you hear the comparison um, to, to Patrick Mahomes, and I think, man, that's a lot to put on a guy. I, you know, those type of expectations to be, you know, a mid-round, you know, middle first-round guy that's going to wind up being a stud. Look, he's got great athletic ability, um, but you just don't know. It's hard. You got to find the perfect situation. And so, 
I don't know if he's going to be quite as good as what people say. It seems like every year there's always, um, you know, a quarterback that never quite lives up to expectations. And obviously there's busts at every position. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, a guy, A.J. Espinosa uh, from Iowa, I think that he's going to be a good uh, pass rusher, defensive lineman. I don't know if he's going to be a, a game changer. Um, when he could, you know, he's obviously going to be a first-round guy, rated very highly. But when you look at him, you know, he's got great strength. He's got a, a good motor, but I don't know if he quite has that athleticism. Um, he doesn't quite have the speed uh, that some of those guys do. So while they might be solid, they might not be as dynamic as what people think they might be. Okay, Mike Jones, we really appreciate you joining us on Draftville and uh, looking forward to your analysis of the draft the rest of the way going up uh, to it and through it on the USA Today Sports Network. Hey, thanks for having me. And next up, we have Doug Farrar, national NFL writer and editor for USA Today Sports Media Group. How are you doing, Doug? Good. How are you today? I'm okay under the circumstances. It's actually nice to get out of the house and into a podcast studio, if you can believe that, because at least I, I got out of the house. Anytime you can get out of the house safely, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope you and yours are uh, holding it okay. Uh, yes, yes, they are. We are, and I hope same for you. Yep, we're all good. We're just waiting it out. Well, let's talk about this NFL draft, and, and the focus of today's show, more than the prospects, although the, we will talk about a few, is the teams. So, so let me start with free agency and um, which teams have changed their needs or addressed their needs, and, and how might that impact the NFL draft? Well, you look at, I kind of went through a list of teams that I think did the most and are in positions where they can ascend. Certainly the Buccaneers. I mean, Tom Brady's the big news, but it's not just Brady. It's Brady with Bruce Arians. Um, and I, I wrote a piece a couple weeks ago that people who think, oh, Arians just runs a vertical passing game and Brady can't throw deep anymore. Uh, neither, neither of those things are true. Um, Arians actually comes from kind of a Sid Gilman school, which is you run levels to the front side, which is short, intermediate, deep, and then you always have sort of you know, a slant or a curl or a wheel route or a slip screen, something on the back side where you have an escape hatch. Um, he, ha- he hasn't had targets like this since Moss and Welker in 2007, 2008. I'm not comparing because the systems are different, but when Brady was watching Tampa Bay game tape and he's got, he's looking at Evans and Godwin and OJ Howard and Bray, he had to be thinking to himself, my gosh, what I could do with these guys. Factor that in with a defense under Todd Bowles that went from dead last in 2018 to fifth in 2019 in football outsiders the adjusted metrics. You put a, a, I mean, the best quarterback of all time at maybe 80% of his total power. That kind of looks like a Super Bowl contender to me. Wow. What, what other teams have, uh, have improved their situations or maybe created greater needs by, by losing people? Uh, well, certainly, you look at the Colts with Philip Rivers and DeForest Buckner, quarterback and pass rush were two of their biggest issues. Um, great head coach in Frank Reich. Uh, Matt Eberflus, their defensive coordinator, I think is going to be a head coach in the next couple of years. 
Um, you know, Rivers, <laughs> at this point, if, if Reich can corral Rivers' rogue gene, and he has before, uh, when he was in the Chargers coaching staff, um, I think the Colts are in very good shape. I still am trying to figure out how the Cardinals did what they did to the Texans to wind up with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I hope that Steve Time sent Bill O'Brien a nice fruit basket for that one. But that's, that's a better team than people might think. Um, getting Jordan Phillips on the defensive line as well. And I think Kyler Murray, what Mahomes was in 2018 and Lamar Jackson was in 2019, I think Kyler Murray is going to do that in 2020. So I think the Cardinals are in very good shape. Certainly the Bills with, um, you know, the Patriots' obvious issues competitively. Getting Stephon Diggs, they paid a lot for him, but he's worth it. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, who used to be in Seattle, very underrated defensive lineman. Pairing him with Ed Oliver on the inside, that's going to be a problem for opposing offenses. Um, love what the Browns did. They bring in Kevin Stefanski, who in Minnesota ran a lot of two tight ends, a lot of boot action. You bring in Austin Hooper to pair with, um, you know, with that tight end group. Jack Conklin, the right tackle. Carl Joseph, the safety. Uh, Trey Wayne and Mackenzie Alexander. Um, for the Bengals, um, I think very interesting cornerback additions. Um, you put Joe Burrow there, which uh, I certainly assume they will. Um, Ohio football works a little bit better. And the Dolphins. I mean, this is a team that's supposed to be tanking. You get Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba. They still have three first-round picks. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they have you know, certainly the capacity for massive improvement. Which teams do you see that maybe were on the cusp of being in the playoffs that, that can improve themselves enough in the draft to get there, um, you know, that, that have the picks to do it and, and maybe just seem, seem, seem to be one or two players away? Well, I don't know if the Raiders are one or two players away, but I like the additions they made on defense. Um, and they've got two first-rounders. Um, I'll mention the Bills again. Um, you know, what... The Titans certainly came close. If they get some edge rush, I think they're in a very good place. I think Brian Tannehill certainly is their long-term guy. Uh, Cowboys, I'm kind of looking at, well, now, now you need to work on your cornerbacks and your um, and your edge rush. Um, those are the teams that really stand out to me at this point as teams that are, and you know, Cardinals were 5-10-1. and one. They were coming, I mean, in 2018, on offense and defense, they were one of the worst teams I've seen in the last 20 years on both sides of the ball. Uh, significant improvement under Cliff Kingsbury. Are they sort of the breakout team? They could be. So, so when you look at the Dolphins, the, the tank for Tua didn't really happen. Everybody thought, you know, that was the joke or the expectation that they would be so bad that they would pick first and they would go after Tua. Of course, that was before... Tua got injured. They may get Tua anyway, the way it looks, but right. with that many picks, can the Dolphins become a contender off that? If not immediately, but within a couple of years off of these players that they draft growing and maturing? Well, when you look at, you know, the whole and being in Seattle, I'm, you know, I used to be a Mariners fan until, you know, <laughs> and the Mariners are every four or five years in a constant state of rebuilding. And they're doing with different GMs, GMs that aren't that good. Um, 
and their organizational philosophy keeps changing. When you look at the Dolphins, I think they have the right head coach in Brian Flores. Um, I think he has the mindset to avoid a lot of the mistakes that other Belichick acolytes have made. Um, I think they have the right GM and Chris Greer. Um, it's a forward-looking organization. It's, you know, they're run by toughness and intelligence. I think they showed that late in the season when they could have just, you know, been hopeless. They weren't. They, they did what they needed to do with the talent they had. Um, and this was a team, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick led the team in rushing. That's how bad they were. <laughs> so, you know, you have three picks in the first round. You made the right moves in free agency. Um, so with these three picks, if they do these right, I think, yeah, in a couple of years they have the potential to, because you look at what the Patriots are now. This is one of the best defenses in the last 20, 25 years. And they still have that in order. But that offense was kind of a dumpster fire with Brady. Um, you know, if they, right now it's Jared Stidham and, and who knows what else. Do they, you know, sign a Cam Newton? Do they draft a Jordan Love? Do they try and go more mobile, um, more modern age quarterback? Which I would, you know, if I'm Bill Belichick and I'm going to be 68 when the season starts, I've kind of got one more go. I might look at Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and all that and think, well, maybe I want more of a mobile guy after the guy I had for 20 years. Uh, but my point is the Patriots, you have to look at their run um, as the force multiplier in the AFC and certainly the AFC East as, if not over, it's a time of major transition for them. So anyone else in that division, you know, this is your chance to pounce. So let's shift our attention to the class of 2020, the draft class, the ones who are going to be uh, selected on draft weekend, uh, not in Las Vegas, but virtually. And, and yeah. who, who intrigues you? Who are the potential real impact guys? And, and who are the ones that you're leery of that, that might not be what they're, what they're made out to be? Um, I'll start with the guys I'm leery of, and I'll start with Justin Herbert. And, you know, big guy, big arm, more mobile than people think. But I watched a lot of his games. I, when, I, when I watch prospect tape, I wind up watching more tape of the guys that confuse me or I can't really figure them out. You know, if I'm watching Javon Kinlaw, I need to watch like three games and I go, yeah, he's, he's the boss. I don't, you know. If I'm watching Antoine Winfield Jr., who I think could be the next Earl Thomas, I don't need to watch 12 games. But I watch Herbert, and I think to myself, you know, the, the ability to read defenses, the ability to, the ability to go past his first read consistently, um, accuracy in the short and intermediate areas, you know, these are things, these are basic things you need in the NFL. I'm not sure he has them. Um, I look at Jordan Love, who I've seen some people compare to Patrick Mahomes, um, I did a tape piece with Mahomes about a month before he was drafted, and I don't get the comparison at all. Um, I think Love, you know, through 17 interceptions last year, trying way too hard to make things happen. Um, I will say that I have done pro comparisons to Jay Cutler with two draft prospect quarterbacks, and that was Jameis Winston and Jordan Love. So, leery of him. I look at Christian Fulton, uh, LSU corner. There are times when he's great, and there are times when he just seems a bit lost with his positioning, with his footwork. Um, you know, 
And, and cornerback is a boomer bust position anyway. You know this. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you make 10 great plays and you give up one big pass, and that's all anyone talks about. Um, Grant Delpit from LSU, probably the best cover safety or one of the two or three best cover safeties in this draft class. But can you overcome tackling issues to that degree? Because, yeah, you can cover, but at some point you've got to tackle somebody. So those are a few of the guys that I'm just I'm, I'm leery of as potential first-round talents. Um, I'll give you a couple of guys I like. Just I don't know if it's sleepers. That's a, a relative term, and it's subjective. Um, Ashton Davis, the safety from Cal, I think has first or second-round potential as a deep third safety. Uh, Justin Madubuke, I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Defensive tackle from Texas A&M. There are times when I look at his tape and I think he should be in the same sentence as Javon Kinla or Derek Brown. Um, Antonio Gibson, running back slash receiver from Memphis, he's kind of a Cornell Patterson plus. Um, just, he needs, he, as a receiver, he's kind of got to develop a route tree. Um, as a running back, he runs very upright and kind of can't put a plan together. But he has the athletic potential of a Cordero Patterson plus. And that's the guy whose tape I just loved watching. And I'll also mention Jalen Hurts. I, I, I see people kind of dooming him to, you know, late second, early third day. I would rather take Jalen Hurts and the improvement I've seen over some quarterbacks who are ranked far higher. That's interesting. Who who of the wideouts, and this is considered a, a wideout draft, first of all, who do you just like best of, of the three or more potential first-rounders, and who do you see that might be a real value pick in the middle rounds? Well, I think when you're looking at, because I mean, Judy, uh, Ruggs, and C.D. Lamb are my top three, um, it just depends on what you need. It, because Ruggs is your deep guy, um, but he can do more than that. He's not, you know, he's not just a one-route dude. <laughs> um, if you want just the, the slip, what, I, what I've written as the slipperiest, filthiest route runner in this draft class, I think you take Judy. Um, I think his upside is Antonio Brown without the issues. Um, I think that's who he can be over time. I would say that as far as overall traits and characteristics of what you want in a receiver, I'd probably go with C.D. Lamb first overall. I think his toughness, um, his ability to make contested catches. Um, he doesn't have radical speed downfield, but he's fast enough. He understands angles well enough to make plays that other receivers maybe can't. Um, you know, you, you would. I think if you're taking in the first round and you need a, a number one receiver, a legitimate X slash Z receiver who can make all those plays. I think you'd be happy with any of those guys. A um, couple of guys I like a lot for later in the draft. I think if you want a contested catch receiver, uh, T. Higgins from Clemson, and I don't know how much of a sleeper he is. He may go in the second round. But that's a guy who I've, I've mocked him to the Patriots before because the Patriots desperately need guys who can make contested catches. Um, that, that's an obvious problem for them. One guy I like a lot, which I've, I've mocked a couple times to the 49ers at 31, is Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Uh, reminds me of kind of a faster Emmanuel Sanders, 
very practiced route runner, really smooth guy. Um, and because he played for Arizona State, he doesn't get the kind of the name recognition that other guys do. But I, I think he could definitely be in that class over time. All right, Doug Farrar, thank you for joining us, uh, NFL national writer and editor for USA Today Sports Media Group. Appreciate you joining us on Draftville. My pleasure. Anytime. Well, that does it for another episode of Draftville. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. I'm Tommy Dees, and we'll be back again next week on Draftville. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.